Father God, we do give thanks for your word and we give thanks for the freedom to hear your word read aloud to us. And we ask now that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit that we may hear your word and listen to your call. Amen. Well, good morning, lovely people. Good morning, one and all. And whether you are indeed with us for the first time or the millionth time, it is lush to see you. And as our Sue said very early on, right at the beginning of our service, today we're having to think about prayer and connecting with God with prayer. And basically, over the summer holidays, that is the theme. And we're breaking it down a little bit more about prayer, the different kinds of prayer, and so on. All part of this year where we're looking at mission and what mission means and how we can, I guess, better engage in mission wherever we are. But when I was reading through this particular passage earlier in the week, I confess that a little bit of panic just came over me. And I'll tell you for why. I read through this passage and I thought to myself, what on earth has that got to do with prayer? And I spoke with a number of people, including our say on Monday evening, and she said, you're preaching on Sunday? Yes, I haven't got a clue what to say. I can't work out at all what on earth this passage has to do with prayer, and especially with connecting to God with prayer. But I do know that prayer is kind of important. When I first became a fully-fledged Christian, if you will, when I was 17 or 18, I did so through doing a course similar to the Alpha course called Saints Alive. And really as part of that course, three things were installed in me that you need to kind of do if you want to grow as a Christian, if you want to grow a disciple and become a better disciple. First off was get involved in a church. Go to church, be part of the fellowship, help out with the church, volunteer the church, develop your ministry. And I think I can say I've ticked our box. Though I do get paid for it, so I could be kind of disqualified from saying that. The second thing you were taught to do was read the Bible. And that always felt like quite a complicated thing. And my mom especially was very keen on this. When I became a Christian, she said to me, Kyrian, you've got to read the Bible every day. All right, Mama, read the Bible every day. But no one ever told me how much of the Bible you should read or where to start on the Bible. It was just something you had to do, read the Bible every day. And somehow I've worked out that I can read the Bible and that kind of thing. But the third thing was this idea of prayer. To grow as a disciple, to be an engaged Christian, you need to be prayerful. You need to be willing to pray every day. You need to have that constant connection with God. So prayer is something that we should all be taking incredibly seriously. But here's the confession time. Prayer is something also so many of us can really struggle with. Now I know there are some people in this room who are incredibly spiritual and weirdly told on my mom she would fit into that category. People who find prayer ever so easy. They just naturally pray. They naturally intercede. They can drift into prayer any time. My mom especially, for example, is one of these people. When I was a kid, 
I knew she used to get up every day and pray for an hour. I used to think that that was what all Christians should do. So when I became a Christian, I decided I'm going to give that a go. I got up early and I tried praying for an hour. Three minutes in, I gave up. I put the telly on because I didn't know quite what it was I should be doing. Or my mind just was drifting into other things. And I thought there was something wrong with me by the fact that I struggled with prayer. And then when I went to vicar school, it turned out that I was having conversation after conversation with people who were training for ordination. People who were ordained and later on people who were even bishops who had confessed that they struggled with prayer. They struggled with having that connection with God. And it was almost an unspoken thing, especially if you're considered to be and expected to be so spiritual that you would struggle with prayer. And I just want to say off the bat today, if you were a person who struggles with praying, if you were a person who struggles with this issue of prayer, if you know the prayer is something you should be doing, but you kind of go, oh, I'm a bit funny with it. You're not alone. A great many Christians, if not the majority of Christians, struggle with prayer. And they struggle with having these connections with God. Which brings me right back to this passage once again. And at the heart of this passage, the very famous story of Jesus walking on water. And that big question of, What on earth has this got to do with prayer? And as I read it, reread it, rethought about it, something really came to me about the parallel of this particular miracle and the age in which we live now. This is a story where Jesus, after feeding the 5,000, as Hannah told us, went up to a mountain to pray. And he sent his disciples ahead of him. This is one of the only instances in the Gospels where Jesus is separate from his disciples. Normally he has all his disciples with him or one or two of his disciples with him. That is true at other times when he goes up to a mountain to pray. That is true when he is transfigured. That is true even just before his crucifixion. There is always a gathering of people with him. But here there is separation. And it must have felt incredibly weird as well for the disciples to leave Jesus behind and get in a boat and leave him, dismissing the crowd, going to pray. And it would have felt even more weird when they got into trouble. The parallel is with the ascension. To us now, it can feel like Jesus is no longer with us. It can feel like we have lost separation with Christ. We know that Jesus is there, but he can feel distant. He can feel up a mountain. He can feel away, and we can feel out to sea. Because the next time the disciples were really separated for a long period of time from Jesus was when he ascended into heaven. A feeling of separation. And when the disciples were on the water, 
when the disciples were experiencing wind and storm, when the disciples were really struggling, that is where their faith was really tested. Before this moment, if they had a problem of any kind, all they could do is go to Jesus, tell him about the problem, and he would sort it. Not only that, if they had somebody else with a problem, they could take that person to Jesus and Jesus would sort them. Somebody needs a healing, we'll get a healing sorted. Somebody needs a demon cast out, we'll do that as well. But here, they're away from Jesus. And you've got to wonder what they were feeling when they were on that boat, when the wind started to blow. I'm no fisherman, but I've been on a cross-channel ferry. And when it gets a little bit choppy, I tend to get a little bit scared. Don't get me wrong, I'm the same on a plane with a bit of turbulence. I am one of those people. But these guys were starting to get scared. And they were separated from Jesus. It's so easy, and especially in dark times and in difficult times, to feel that Jesus is distant. It is so easy to feel that the Lord isn't there. And when we go through really rough patches, and that could be for any reason, it could be through poor health, it could be through grief, it could be through financial distress, it could be through unsettledness of life, it could be when we're in between jobs or we've got a stress on. It can feel like the Lord is incredibly distant from us. And in fact, we can almost cry out and say, Lord, where are you? Why aren't you here now? Why aren't you helping me now? But here's the amazing thing. Even though there was this physical separation, the bridge was gapped. The bridge was made between Christ and the disciples. And that came in the shape of him walking on water to see him. We can wonder what's the most amazing thing about this story. The fact that he calmed a storm. The fact that he walked on water. Or the fact that in the middle of a storm and the middle of the night, the disciples were able to see Jesus coming towards them. Because this was a supernatural occurrence. This was Jesus supernaturally coming to intervene with their problem. This was Jesus coming to help them, to bless them, and to sort out the problem that they were going through. At its core, this is prayer with the gut reaction of what prayer is. I've got a problem, I need help. Lord, will you come and help me? And here is Jesus coming to help. For so many of us, prayer is just that. It is the response to fear. It is the response to distress. It is the response to anxiety. It is the response to being a little bit lost. And given I do a job where I wear fancy dress for a living... I tend to see it quite a lot. If I visit the hospital, which I might do later this week, I will go on a ward to see a person, do my nice vicar thing and pray for somebody, 
And I can almost guarantee another person on another bed will say, will you pray for me as well? Somebody who might have no connection with church will say, will you pray for me? I was in quick fit last week, just getting a, an MOT done on my car. And a geezer comes up to me with a van and goes, will you do me a favour, priest? What's that? Will you pray for my van? <laughs> and I went, no problem, buddy. Give him one of them. But he was so scared of what could be wrong with a van, he literally cried out and said, can you pray? I've been on the prom and people have said, can you pray for me? Will you pray for me? Will you bless me? All because people, when they're at their most terrified, are looking for something. They are looking for Jesus and maybe it is something that is so deep in us that we don't even recognize it a lot of the time where we are looking for Christ. I think I've prayed for more atheists in my life on the street, out and about than perhaps I have believers. It's incredible how many people who say they have no faith will come and say, will you pray for me? Because of that sense of panic being there, that cry out to Jesus. And that simple cry out is so similar to a child crying out for a parent. It's so similar to a baby who has a need, who just wants that need fulfilled. And for these disciples, that is exactly where they were. They had this scary thing happen and they needed Jesus to come and look after them. And then Jesus came and Jesus looked after them and made all things well again. And we can think, and especially those who are mature of us as Christians, that we can be exempt from doing those things. But we're not really. I've got a doctor's appointment, a hospital appointment later this week, and I guarantee my level of praying is going to be going up as the days goes on in readiness for that. The fear overtaking and the desire to seek after Jesus. But the amazing thing is, though Jesus can feel distant, though it can feel like Jesus is in the cloud in heaven, though it can feel like Jesus isn't there, he is with us. Supernaturally, he meets with us wherever we are. Supernaturally, he is here now. It's amazing that we have to remind ourselves that Jesus is physically with us now. Jesus is here now because we forget these things. And for those disciples on that boat, seeing Jesus walking on water is a demonstration that he can truly do all things. And when we lift to the Lord things in prayer, nothing is beyond him. All things are possible for him. All things are possible for the Lord. And this, more than anything, is one of the greatest encouragements that we need to pray more. To become people of prayer. Because prayer connects us with the Lord. But prayer also points the way of the Lord to people who may or may not be seeking him. If you ever come into this church on a day between 9 and 5.30 when it's open, I can pretty much guarantee that you'll see somebody who is seeking prayer. Somebody who will come in, who will sit in the pew or 
in the room over there and we'll be praying. Somebody who will come in with an issue who is looking for prayer with. If you ask people and have conversations, you'd be surprised how many people would like to be prayed for. And the thing about prayer is we can all do it. Not all people can preach a sermon. Not all people can preside a communion. Not all people can operate a sound desk or a vision desk. Believe it or not, not all people can make tea and coffee. I would really struggle with it. But every one of us can pray from the youngest to the oldest. Prayer isn't limited by age. Prayer isn't limited by gender. Prayer isn't limited by our health. Prayer isn't limited by anything. They always say about a boxer that the last thing that goes for a boxer is they punch. And the last thing that can go for a Christian is the ability to pray. Because we can all pray at any time, at any place, for anything at all. We can have that connection with God. And it doesn't matter where we are. When I was training to be a vicar, we were having a lecture one day about other religions. And our tutor, who's a wonderful man, said to us, should we be inspired by how other religions approach prayer? How they will pray five, six, seven times a day at set times? And everybody said yes, except for this one guy who said, not really. I can pray anywhere. I'll pray in my car. I'll pray at my office at work. I'll pray in a lift. I'll pray right now. I don't need to be in a special place to play. I can just pray. Prayer connects us with God. But prayer is also an incredible act of love. Prayer is something we can offer to people who are in need and say, let me tell you about Jesus who loves you. Prayer is essential to our Christian life. And perhaps it is something that we have taken our eyes off and not taken as seriously as we should. Because prayer can take effort. Prayer can take time. But prayer is also our lifeblood. Prayer is part of who we are meant to be. Many years ago, when we first came to Unaba, well, four years ago, we were setting up for Stable Trail. And I'd never seen Stable Trail before. And I was intrigued at how these people were setting up the church for this thing. And it kind of blew my mind a little bit. And as they were happening, a lady came in and she said, oh, I'm really struggling. Can, can I go somewhere to pray? And because it was everybody going everywhere, we went into this room which was set up for the angels to go and pray. So I took her in there and I prayed for her and she kind of stayed for a little bit and then left. A few months ago, she came back into church and said, you prayed for me. You took me into heaven where the angels were and you prayed for me. She never forgot that because of the act of love that it was. And it's one of the reasons why we really want to see this room as a prayer room, a space where we can pray at all times, a space where we can keep prayer going. And it's why in September, I want the church to be open every morning for prayer, to begin 
the day with prayer, to have the opportunity to join for prayer for 20 minutes or so, not too long, but just to pray to make sure we are praying. Prayer is essential to who we are. And as I was praying about today, I felt the Lord say something to me as well. And that is to say to you guys, what is it today that you are crying out for? What storm is blowing? What are you struggling with? Where do you need to see Jesus walk on the water? And that could be something for yourself. That could be something for your family. That could be something your heart is breaking for, for the world, your country, whatever it is. That could be something that you need guidance on. But today, what do you want? And just because we are here today to talk about prayer, I just want to finish off by praying for those things. And if you're willing to join me, I'm just going to ask you to just spend a few moments of silence now with the Lord. And Father God, I just ask that you would guide us in the things that we need prayer for. The things that we are crying out for. The things perhaps that we've shared with other people or the things that we didn't share with anyone else. And Lord God, we acknowledge your presence with us. We acknowledge that we are connected to you. We acknowledge that you are here now. There is no separation. We are connected and you're through the power of your spirit. You guide us now. And Lord God, we lift to you now the things that are on our heart, the things that we need help for. And we pray now for places where we need healing that your healing touch will come. We pray for where we need guidance, that your guidance would come. We pray for where we have anxiety, that your peace would come. We pray where we need your guidance, your vision, that your vision would come. And we pray, Lord God, that we would feel you now. We would feel your spirit just rest on us now. That those storms that we may be feeling as well would be calmed right now. That the supernatural Christ who has authority over creation, the supernatural Christ who walks on water, the supernatural Christ who calms storms, the supernatural Christ who feeds the multitude, who heals the sick, the supernatural Christ who had others taken to him would give you peace now, would give you healing now. So come, Lord Jesus, come, hear us as we call to you. Come, Lord Jesus, hear us as we cry out to you. Come, Lord Jesus, 
calm every storm that we are experiencing now. And may your blessing be thoroughly upon us. We ask this now in the name of Jesus, your Son. Amen.